Hi, this is Gareth Armstrong. Just a quick note, the first 45 seconds of this podcast, we had a little bit of a technical error. The audio cleans up nicely thereafter, so please keep on listening. This Future CEO's conversation is brought to you by Careers24. Careers24.com. Get a career you can be proud of. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Hey, good afternoon, ladies and gents. How's everybody doing? How's your Leader X 2016 so far? Okay, so far um, it's been a busy morning for me, but at the same time we've given a lot. This is going to be a presentation for a change. And just a reminder what Future CEOs is about. It's basically helping ambitious entrepreneurs and high potential executives uh, fast track their careers. So with me, thank goodness, Careers24 had the pleasure and we have the privilege for them to have been our sponsors here for you today. So I'm going to hand it over. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much, much for allowing us to be in touch with the people of Thank South Africa. Thank you so much. Doesn't Flubby look fantastic? Yeah. Wow. Um, so you guys really want to know how much you're worth. I can see this is a very busy room. Just to give you a background as to who I am, I'm Mark Privet. I'm the general manager of Careers24. I don't know who you are, so I can't tell you exactly how much you should be earning, but I'll try to delve into that. But more importantly, what I'll do is I'll do a bit of a breakdown as to some of the trends that I'm seeing in the job market in terms of the jobs that I think that are under extinction, the ones that are really hot right now, and the ones that I think are absolutely future-proof. So you guys have come here. You all want to know whether you are being paid enough. And the reality is that we all think that we're not being paid enough. I mean, that's just uh, how life is, right? We get a salary increase. We are so happy. And three months down the line, we're unhappy. It's the same thing. You get out of university. You buy your first car. It's fantastic. Um, and a year later, you think, oh, I've got to trade this one in. I need a new one. And we're never really satisfied as human beings with what we have. I think consumerism is one of those things that plays into that. So there's always that question of, am I earning enough? For me, I think the question really is, am I being paid fairly? Am I being remunerated fairly for the kind of work that I am doing? Um, So it's not always about your peers, but also it's about the organization that you work with. For me, a salary is only a part of the working package that you have. Do you have great colleagues? Does the company that you work for support you? Is there growth potential within an organization? So when you look at salary as a benchmark, for me, it it looks a little bit dangerous. I think you should be looking at the whole package when you're looking at how much is my company investing in me for the amount of work that I'm investing in the company. So keep that in mind. For those of you who were looking for that, that number, I'm not going to give it to you because I don't know what you do, who you work for, and what your salary is. But what you can definitely do, if you really want to know, you can go onto the sites like Careers24, do a search for um, your current job title, and it will actually give you an average job, a salary for that job, if you're really that curious about it. Also, recruitment agencies know exactly what your worth is in the job market. Their job, ultimately, is to get as much money out of the employer as possible, so they'll know what you're worth in terms of your salary. So... I hope that just puts into perspectives. This is an interactive session, so if anybody's got questions, please just put your hands up and we'll have a mic going. You're welcome to ask at any time. I'm sure all of you are aware is that we, uh, there's a term that's, that's been floated around now. It's, it's super trendy, it's super uber, it's super cool. It's the, the fourth industrial revolution. And what that really means is that there is a meeting of the real world and the digital world. And it's, it's sort of coming crashing together. And with this is coming massive opportunities, but at the same time, our world is changing dramatically. You can think of the likes of Amazon, who are doing fantastic stuff with drones. They are delivering 
goods with drones. Fantastic. That is so useful. On the flip side of that, what does that mean? It means that people that used to be in logistics and used to drive the truck to go deliver that thing from Amazon, now it's potentially out of a job. If you look at factories, factories are becoming absolutely automated. If you walk into a modern factory now, you'll probably find that there are very few people on the floor. Probably the people, engineers, who are actually looking at the machines to make sure that the machines are working, not to make sure that the line is working or people are doing their jobs. So the world, the world is changing dramatically. We look at Google and Tesla, our famous Elon Musk, doing some fantastic work with electric cars and ultimately self-driving cars. What does that mean? So that really means that hopefully very soon in the streets of Johannesburg, I'm from Johannesburg, I live in Cape Town, I don't miss Joe traffic, we will have um, driverless taxis. Wouldn't that be fantastic? It will be safer, it will be more um, organized, and ultimately on the flip side of that will mean that there will be a whole lot of people that are out of, out of jobs. So the fourth industrial revolution means that there will be a shift of jobs away from humans to machines. And the jobs that are really going to be affected are those jobs that can be automated, those jobs that are repetitive, and the jobs that are going to survive, ultimately creative jobs. So if you think about developers, if you think about marketing people, even sales, those are the type of jobs that will survive. So that's just the, the basis of, the, of that conversation. What are the type of jobs that I think are, are going to disappear? It's a range of jobs. So we, we talk about a line cook at McDonald's. I promise you, not in the not-too-distant future, you're going to go to McDonald's, you're going to sit there with your app, and you're going to order with, from the app, you're going to pay with your app, and it's going to be delivered in a, in a way. There's going to be very few, little human intervention in that. So that's the way the world is going. If you think about accountants, so strict accountancy, I'm not talking about financial managers who are, by the way, very creative in their own, in their own way, looking for creative ways to solve business problems. Accountancy, if you think about the way technology and like a pastel, have basically said, do you know what? There's a big function of accountancy that actually could be automated. For those of you, I'm sure most of you, I hope, um, have done your SARS e-filing, that's a really good example of automating a process that was five, ten years ago, you probably had to have a, an accountant or you have to have a financial advisor to do that. There's absolutely no reason to do that because everything is just plugged in right now. So these jobs are disappearing slowly but surely. As I mentioned, I think there will definitely be um, cab drivers, for example, that, that will disappear, and paralegals, for example. So what, what do paralegals do? It's a really good example of a, of a job that I think will disappear. So a paralegal, poor Rachel Zane, we like her, uh, we like suits, has got the worst job in the world ever. So Harvey says, look, I've got this really horrible case, and I need case law, I need precedent. Go look through all these files of books and whatever and go find precedent. Now... The reality is that with data being so prevalent at the moment, computers can do this. They can go find precedent much easier, much quicker, much cheaper than the likes of a Rachel Zane or a paralegal. So I think a paralegal would probably be one of those jobs that will disappear over yeah, time. And I think the list will go on. So as I, as I mentioned, so just to reiterate, I think jobs that will disappear are those that are automated, that are repetitive, that can be done better by machines. So calculating in, in many cases... Would, would be one of those. And the ones that really will survive are those ones where uh, some form of creativity or, or certain uh, levels of skill will be required where computers can't really solve that. If we look at the medical field, for example, there's some, some fantastic stuff that is being done by IBM. I'm sure you know um, IBM's Watson. It's their super machine that they have. They're doing some fantastic stuff in the medical field where they're doing predictive stuff to try to understand what sort of medications to give patients with Alzheimer's so they can, with great degrees of predictability, give medicine out. 
And this will become more and more common practice as these Watsons of the world become more and more readily available and as they build tools around it. The question that you want to know is which are the jobs that I think are current right now that are really hot? So I'm going to have to read them because I don't remember all of them off heart. So I did have a presentation on my phone. I am digital savvy, I'd like to believe. Oh, by the way, the other job that I think will not, not exist in, in five, ten years' time, and any of you that have lived in the UK have seen it already, is a cashier. So if you go to Sainsbury's in the UK, you swipe your own goods. They know how much the goods weigh. So you put it into the little bag, your carrier bag, or your checkers. And then what, what weighs it and says, well, based on all the things you've scanned, it actually should weigh this much, and we trust you. Now you can pay by your credit card. No intervention uh, necessary whatsoever. Okay. So... What are the roles that we're seeing, not only um, in South Africa, but internationally, that are really hot right now, and where there's an absolute need for them, and where you can transcend borders? And this is the the reason why I've chosen these ones. So the first one is registered nurses. It's a vocation. I mean, it's not for all of us. I think we all want to be future CEOs. That's why we're here. I think uh, to be a nurse is a very hard and difficult job, but there's an absolute uh, need for them. And because you guys wanted to know what salaries were, an average salary of a registered nurse is 32,000 rand. A lot more than I thought, to be honest. You're not going to be surprised by this one. Software developers. I work for an organization that is driven by software, um, software developers, and we are fighting tooth and nail to find developers. And this is not just a South African phenomenon. This is an international phenomenon. There's just a, a, too much of a, there's an absolute shortage of software engineers. We in my company have had to relook at the way that we remunerate, how we support them, and, by the way, the 5 6 7% annual increase just doesn't exist in the world of developers because guess what? Amazon and all these international companies are knocking on the doors and they're offering them double the salary that, that they're getting paid by staffing companies. So the average salary of a developer is about 58,000 rand. If you're an iOS developer, you can look at about eighty to 90,000 rand. So if you want to be a future CEO, I suggest you go back to school and you consider doing a bit of coding. That's the reality. And it's a nice job, right? Because you still go home at five. You don't have to work 18-hour days like the CEO of Anglo-American. So marketing managers, once again, it's a creative job. Marketing managers um, are in demand, and their average salary is 47,000 rand. And it's no surprise that as an organization, invariably you're selling something. So sales managers are in high demand. And of course, there's a there's a big difference in sales managers. It depends on the size of the team, the type of the product you're selling, and all sorts of other dynamics, the size of the market, the competitiveness of the market. But an average salary of a sales manager, which I thought was quite low when I saw this, is 48,000 rand. I've seen sales managers who their basics are touching on a million rand, and then they go on and on and on with their um, turnover expectations. So great job to be in. Like I said, it's not easy to manage salespeople, though. Another job that is current right now is network and systems administrators or managers. So they manage your, the backbone of your, your IT, and their average salary is 32,000 rand. But there's a, even though it's quite low, there's quite a big demand for them. This is a bit of a perennial one, but engineers, and in particular industrial engineers, are in high demand. So industrial engineers is a branch of engineering which deals with organization um, of complex processes and systems and organizations. So it's not necessarily building thing, but really looking at the systems side of it. And the average salary, according to the research that I've done on our site and on other sites, is 41,000 rand, which once again, I think is quite low. A branch of the software engineers, web developers, the bread and butter of my business, as you can well imagine, very much in high demand, very hard to find, and the average salary is 57,000 rand. 
for a software engineer. And interestingly enough, even though I spoke earlier about accountants being one of those jobs that we think that will be not, not necessarily redundant, but will have to find a way to remain re relevant, financial managers, on the other hand, are in high demand, and I think they will remain in high demand because the job of a financial manager is quite different to that of an accountant. Yes, they have an accountancy background um, invariably, but once again, they look at creative ways of solving business problems. And the, the average salary of a, a financial manager is 63,000 rand. If anybody has ever been to a clicks, you know there's a pharmacy um, at every single one, and everybody else is doing it too. So it goes, it's by no surprise that we have an absolute need for pharmacists. For me, it's a tough job. You study for many, many years, and invariably you become a glorified shop counter assistant that just so happens to hand out medicine. Um, I think it's, 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 it's terrible, except that they did get a lot of money. So the average salary for a pharmacist in South Africa is 55,000 rand. So quite a nice salary. And the heartbeat of any organization has got to be HR managers, and they're in high demand. Good, good HR managers earn well, and the average salary of an HR manager is 47,000 rand. And that excludes, obviously, HR directors who would earn more. So it depends on the size of the organization. So what do I consider to be the, the future-proof jobs? Or should I, I'm not even going to say jobs. I'm going to call them careers because a job is a moment in time, right? So for me, what are the future-proof careers? Without a doubt, it, it goes without saying that it has to be IT, information technology. If we are collecting all this data and we're making use of data, people that manage this data, that um, make sense of data, that can build tools and services and products around data and will obviously win in the end. I think that's definitely one of the, the key areas. The other career that I think is just going to boom is alternative energy. We know that we have scarce resources and we know that depends on which doomsday website you go on in the day, we have somewhere between 5 and 20 and 50 or maybe 100 years worth of oil, who knows? But at some point or another, it's going to run out, right? So alternative energy is massive and the, the industry is growing. The likes of Tesla, for example, which I spoke about earlier, is a branch of alternative energy. So Tesla is building tools and services and products around alternative energy. Another future-proof career for me is international law. As companies become more global, and globalization happens more and more and more, I work for a company called Naspass. So we used to be this Bruderbund organization that sat in Cape Town and we printed crap and we all read it every, every week and it was fantastic and we made lots of money. Um, we've diversified our portfolio fantastically and we're effectively a Dutch company with um, businesses around the world. I think we're in 40 or, 40 or 50 countries. So you can imagine why companies like Naspass need specialists in international law to move money around to make sure that we're um, legally compliant and, and those type of things. The other job that I think is future-proof is content creation. You might think, oh, well, that's kind of a, like a, it's not a CEO job, right? But it just goes back, back to the point that creative jobs will always survive. So if you're a creative, if you're, if you're in an ad agency, or if you're a marketer, or even if you're in sales, or even if you're developing product, developing product, by the way, is a creative job because you're differentiating, not building more of the same. These jobs are the ones that, are, in my opinion, will survive. As I mentioned, I think uh, marketing will be one of those, those roles that will survive over time. Without a doubt, your ability to tell a story, to be able to convince people to buy a product and service over time will always remain. And marketing is one of those areas that is shifting more and more. It's shifting all the time. So, you know, we don't watch TV anymore. We, we show Max or other things that we don't mention in public, like 
Pirate Bay or whatever it might be. That's the way we consume. So the way people market has changed uh, dramatically. If you look at even online, and I'm, I come from an online business, banner blindness is a, is a reality. So I work for an organization called 24.com, and they, their business is ultimately built on, built on banners. And guess what? Nobody buys banners anymore. So marketing is shifting. So now we've got to think, what are the new ways, what are the new creative ways that we can get a message across to an audience? Because we've got a massive audience. News24 is huge. How do, we, how do we monetize that audience in a way that doesn't upset them, but also at the same time gets the message across that advertisers are looking for? So I think it's one of those jobs that's going to con- continue to be there. And of course, any data sciences type of job, if I, if I could start today, I think that's probably the one area that I'd probably go into. If you think about, oh, I've got an Apple Watch. Wow, awesome. So it's collecting data. It's telling all sorts of people, whether it be Discovery or Apple or whoever it might be, a lot of stuff about me, right? People seem to think that you, uh, Discovery gives you a watch so that they can make you healthy. They, they don't actually do that to, to keep you healthy. They actually do it to see your patterns. And that's really what data is about. And data science is actually making sense of those patterns and making business decisions based on these data points. If you think about every time you swipe your, your loyalty card at Clicks or Pick and Pay or Woolworths, that is data that they're collecting. And they're either reselling it or they're making decisions on which products they should stock or not stock or which stores should stock what or foot count or whatever the case may be, discounting strategies, pricing strategies. That's really what a data scientist does. It takes all this information that is becoming more and more readily available and making sense of it. So for me, like I said, if, if I could choose a career tomorrow, I'd either be a data scientist or I'd be an iOS developer. So that's um, where I would go. At this point, I know that you guys have a, had a bit of a billing of I want to know what, what I'm worth and what my career is worth. So I would like to open up to the floor and maybe you guys can ask some questions about um, salaries and trends that we're seeing in the marketplace. You're welcome to ask me any questions. How future-proof are jobs like an architect? Um, depends what you're building, right? So if you are building mass housing, I would get a computer to do that. It probably can do it quicker. As a matter of fact, building and construction, by the way, is actually one of those areas that is also not future-proof. Um, we, we, I don't know if you've ever... I'll go back to your, your question, actually. But I don't know if you've seen that... Um, like you've got 3D printing of little things that, you know... 3D printing was really cool. Your boss got one on his desk and he printed crap and it looked like a keychain or something like that. And it was just useless, right? They're actually, they're actually doing 3D printing of houses. It's absolutely amazing how this technology is, do, is working. Much quicker than you can possibly do it manually. And the, the quality is so much better because there's no, there's no manual intervention. But once again, so there's benefit because of speed and there's benefit because of quality. But on the flip side of that, when we look at the job market, there's a whole lot of people that might be out of job. And, and that's always the risk. So to answer, to, to answer your question, so I think if you're building mass, if you're doing mass architecture, I think it's, it's not necessarily future-proof. If you're Stefan Antoni, um, who I'm a big fan of, I love top building, I think that um, I think it's, it's future-proof, right? Um, if, you, if you can be creative in the way that you do things, I think it's absolutely future-proof. There might be certain elements within the job that actually become redundant or, or extinct. Hi. When you apply for a job online or when you apply for a job, right, one of the first things that they ask you is, what are you earning right now? That really freaks me out because I'm applying for a job for the future. I'd like to make a move forward. What I am earning right now is actually quite irrelevant. 
why is the job market not moving forward? Why is my current salary important for you to make a decision when you want to pay me for my next job? And are we going to move away from that? Because I've been on your side. It's one of the big things that you guys promote. How are we going to create a shift from I might be earning 3 Rand 50 right now, but I would like to be earning 10 Rand, and I am actually worth 10 Rand. Yeah. And the job that you are advertising, a 10 Rand salary is sufficient. Exactly. Actually, I'm going to tell you something that's anecdotal, and it's so strange that you mentioned that, because I've actually got the situation right now. So uh, I've been without a marketing manager for six months because I had one that was super fantastic. We stole it from Ogilvy, sorry, but then she went overseas, and she was the most amazing thing ever. And she's sort of now the benchmark of everybody, and I just can't fill position because she's, she was just so, so awesome. Managed to find somebody after six months who, who's quite young. So she obviously had her first job, but she has all the characteristics of a fantastic person, right? She has the makeup of somebody that will be able to do the job really well. Yeah, she's coming off a, a, low, a low base because she effectively started her job in this organization and she's probably been there for two or three years and had incremental increases and not had any promotions. But in my opinion, her worth is what I'm willing to pay her. And in, in my case, I'm willing to do that, right? But there is a sticking point that my HR team, because they have this horrible process, want to see her salary slip. And it says there's this bone of contention between myself, her, and the HR department. They say, well, we need to know because it, give, it helps us benchmark where she was before and gives her an idea of her level. So for me, it's, it's unnecessary. I think it's, it's, it's contrite. I think uh, people will have to change anyway. So I'll, I'll reverse it a little bit. I, I gave the example of the developer, right? So... Developers are in such high demand, it doesn't really matter what they're earning right now because in many cases they will uh, at least get 50% more and in some, some cases they will double their salary, it depends what organizations they go to. So we had a case of a, a gentleman who left us, uh, he had been with, with 24.com for many years actually, a fantastic guy, been getting good increases by the way, so above, above inflation, all those type of things, trying to keep up to the market. Visa or MasterCard, I can't remember which one it was, came into the country and said, hey, we want you literally doubled his salary. Now, had they taken that tack of saying, well, let's see what your, what your payslip says, they wouldn't have got a good candidate. And the reality is, and I've, I've kind of alluded to earlier, I mean, it's, you know, at the end of the day, you're only worth your worth. If you can go into an interview and you can say, yes, I'm earning this, but I'm worth this because of A, B, C, and D. I have been in that role for three years, and in these three years, I've grown that much. Unfortunately, I've got incremental increases because that's what happens in organizations. But now I'm ready to move, not only because of salary, because you don't really want to say that too much in an interview, but also because of the challenge. But that's one of the realities of, of where we're at. And it, it's up to you to sell it. And if you go through a recruitment agency as well, I think it's also important for your recruitment agency to pitch that to the business. But yeah, I do, I do get your pain. It is a, a real pain. I think in many cases, companies and, and recruitment agencies are a little bit archaic when it comes to that. Hi. Um, with something like project management, it's quite a generalist uh, trade, um, a multidisciplinary area, if you'd say. Um, how future-proof is that, and in which area uh, or sectors um, is it in most demand? So do you, what, what, what industry did you say? Um, I was saying with uh, project management, um, in which, firstly, how future-proof uh, is it and in which sectors or industries is it in most demand? Look, to be, to be honest, um, that's, that's quite a tricky question because I think 
project management as, as a function is changing quite a lot. So you find old school project managers that used to work in a waterfall type of environment where they had, and it depends on the environment, I always think from a development point of view because that's my background, but the, the role of project management, say for example in, in the development environment, has changed, changed quite a lot, become more creative. So you find project managers become product managers, so they become more creative in making decisions about why, what the project is and why they're doing the project. So I think if they're doing things that are not um, automated, then you, it will remain relevant. I mean, a project manager in a mine or in, in, in a warehouse is, is just absolutely different from, from the scope that I, I have. So, I, I, unfortunately, I can't really answer that question for you. Hi there. I don't know if it's true or not. Is there any truth to... You know, I was listening to one CEO at one time, long time ago, and was saying that, um, is it true that a product manager, like we talk about a product manager, will there, in terms of salary, will there be a difference between a black product manager and a white product manager? And will there be a difference between somebody in Polokwane versus somebody in Cape Town? Okay. So I can talk from, from my experience, because I think that's always the best one to do. So of course, of course, people in different areas get paid differently. It's just one of those facts. So I can come to Jan- back to Johannesburg and I can live life large. Actually very large, because I've got so much equity in my house in Cape Town that it, it's even fantastic. Um, but of course, there's all sorts of other tax, like um, taxis. Um, so of course you pay according to where you live. So um, there are differences in that. In terms of the question of, of black product managers versus white product managers, here's the thing, right? So to find a really good black pro- product manager is like hen's teeth. I would pay over the odds in my organization to have that. As I'm trying to transform my organizations, I've got to have people in those type of roles who are previously at disadvantage who come from, from that type of makeup. So, so for me, if you're seeing that, that black product managers are being underpaid, then for me, I think corporate South Africa is actually doing, doing themselves a disservice. Hi, someone here asked a question about um, architect, mm-hmm. and you said it's slowly going out. Can you just elaborate more? Because as from my understanding, isn't the education system upgrading the curriculum to some of these courses to say architecture is going out is kind of vague because I still need to know what a house needs and people who study that know that. So regardless of what a machine can automate, I cannot input that into the machine. So are the curriculums not being updated to suit a new modern day architect and are architects really out of um, jobs, or is the job changing? So that's, that's what I'm asking. So, so, so maybe, maybe I can re- rephrase it a little bit. So what I said was, if you want to buy a house off-plan, can you, can you... you can now go, and it's, it's highly commoditized in general, other than you know, having to worry about things like slopes and things like that. I don't know too much about architecture, but you can invariably buy 90% of a house off-plan, right? And you, the 10% that you need an architect to do is quite small, right? If, if that's the, 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 the option that you want to take. Um, of course, it's not going to be creative, it's not going to be beautiful, it's not going to be me, necessarily, but for a lot of people, that, that might be. You know, we, we see this a lot in the, in the United States, by the way, off-plan building and buy um, houses like that. You, you literally you just get the, the construction company to, to build your house based on, on a plan that they bought on the internet for $599 or whatever it was. And that's kind of what I was referring to. So that's only one segment of the market. If you're building anything that is creative, if you're building anything that is commercial, I don't think that that will be, it, w- it won't be extinct, it won't, it won't be endangered. Hi, uh, my name is Longile. I want to know in the sphere of uh, software engineering, 
which languages are more marketable in South Africa and which one pays the most? Um, it, it really depends. I mean, so what we're seeing, the, the classic C-sharp in web dev languages, so it depends whether you are a .NET house or, or an open source house, really. It just really depends on the organization. Like I said, I think if you are in, um, if you're in web development, for example, I think you, you have to go mobile. So I think iOS development, Android development is the way to go. Um, the skills are just of such shortage that um, if I was going to focus anywhere, I would focus on that. So I'd, um, I can't really answer your question whether you should go open source or whether it really depends on the organization, to be honest. But there's um, a shortage of skills across the board. I don't think there's anybody sitting at home saying, well, you know, I know a bit of Python and I can't find a job. So... So we'll do one more question, and let's try keep it just keep it short. If the answer can also be short, but it's been a fantastic conversation, very informative, great. Um, I'm just like curious as to how do people within management or CEOs and stuff approve a certain salary for let's just say minimum wage waiters in in like restaurant um, industry. You know that a business can make a turnover for for a night about a hundred thousand, and then waiters don't even get a certain portion of that. How do you as a person approve that considering our current cost of living and stuff? Well, that's the thing. So I think it's um, those sort of sectors, like I call them the semi-formal sectors, if you want to call them that, are a little bit of the Wild West, right? So the government has put frameworks in place, by the way. So um, this is, once again, an anecdotal story, right? When I lived in, in, in Johannesburg, I grew up in Hyde Park, and I used to love this place called Stephanie's, which is like my grandmother lived there, so fantastic place. And there's a um, there was law that was that was put in place uh, quite a few years ago that said there is minimum wage for waiters. You have to employ them full time, and they can only work a certain amount of hours, and you've got to pay them overtime and all those sort of things. And so they took a stance saying that they would rather close their business because it wasn't feasible to do that than 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 to carry on the way they were doing. And that's exactly what they did. Um, now, the reality is that even though there's a framework in place, it's, not, it's, it's, it's unfortunately not sustainable. And I'm, I'm not excusing it at all because I think, I think the way waiters and, and casual staff are treated is absolutely disgusting. But I think we've got to find the balancing act between what the, law, the legislation says, which nobody follows, and um, what's actually happening on the ground. Because this there is, there is a mismatch. So you get these people that are, that, that are earning good money off, off, off restaurants, off, off the backs of people that um, you know, are suffering, and it's just not fair. Thank you very much, Mark, for a very informative conversation. Guys, if you want to stay and chat to him, I think he'll be available for a few minutes. And then he's going to be part of another panel discussion, which is to MBA or not to MBA. Now, we couldn't do this with the business schools because it would ruffle some feathers, so we're going to get some real opinions, and Marx is going to be one of those. To MBA or not to MBA, is it really worth spending 200,000 rand on a, a, a master's degree? Is it really? We'll see you then. This Future CEO's conversation is brought to you by Careers24. Careers24.com. Get a career you can be proud of. Future CEOs on cliffcentral.com.